for joining us. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and energize your faith. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Last week, Pastor explained that Jesus is the perfect representation of God and that God is love. This week, Pastor Duane will debunk some popular beliefs of God in the second part of If God is Good. Well, today, again, I want to talk to you about the most important thing about you. What's the most important thing? What you believe in God, about God. Because what you believe about God will affect absolutely every aspect of your life. Uh, I, I want to just give you a little bit of an illustration about this with Steve Jobs. Uh, he went through a crisis of faith at a very young age. In July of uh, 1968, Life magazine, in their July 12 issue, had a very disturbing picture on the front cover from war-torn Nigeria. I think we've got it. When he saw it, uh, it, it shook him. More than a million people died in that civil war, either from the war or from the famine. And uh, at 13, it was impossible for him to reconcile that picture with the lessons he'd been taught in the Lutheran church that he went to about God. Now, the average 13-year-old may have been able to shrug it off and gone on with his 13-year-old life, but Steve wanted answers. And his biographer says that what he did is the next week he took the magazine to church and confronted his pastor. And he said, Pastor, if I raise my finger, will God know which one I'm going to raise? And the pastor said, yes, God knows everything. Job's then pulled out that Life magazine in its cover and asked, well, does God know about this and what's going to happen to those children? The answer he received was less than acceptable. And after that, literally, he never went back to church. Now, it wasn't the picture on the cover that undermined Steve's faith. It was the interpretation of the picture that drove him away. The conclusions that he drew were made from, a Sunday school about, from his Sunday school God about hun, hungry children was irreconcilable. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. What do you believe about God? Is he good? Is he mad? Is he distant? Is he non-existent? What do you believe about God? Is God in control of every single thing that happens? Is that what God wants to happen? In order to do that, I, I want to go back and build a little bit of a foundation, and then we're going to look at some things we haven't looked at yet. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. When God created man, he created him to have dominion. You were not created to be a doormat. You were created to rule. You were created to have dominion. And in Genesis 2, God takes the man and the woman that he'd made. And the Lord God put the man in the garden of Eden to tend, to guard, and to keep it. To tend, to guard, and to keep it. Now, we know what happened. The devil shows up. But 
He does not guard the creation from Satan. What he does is he literally bows his knee to Satan and puts creation under the dominion of the devil. I'm going to say that again. He puts creation, the dominion God had given him, under the dominion of the devil. Because when God created man, he was his prince. He was, the, he was his under ruler. He created him to have dominion. Job said it like this. He has stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. Stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world. What was the one man? It was Adam. Adam did not guard. He did not keep the devil out. He let him in. And when he did, death entered the world. Sin entered the world and death through sin. Thus, death spread to all men. When sin came in, death came in, sickness, disease, war, famine, hatred, prejudice, abuse, addiction, poverty, natural disasters, you name it. If it's evil, that's when it came in. Now, what we have is a world that blames God for everything. Anything that goes bad, it's an act of God. But that is not at all what the Bible teaches. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, speaking of the devil, it calls him the God with a small g of this age. In John 14, Jesus said, the ruler of this world is coming. Speaking of the devil, the ruler of this world. 1 John 5, 19, we know we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, the power, the influence, the rule of the wicked one. God gets blamed for everything that goes wrong, but the truth is man let the devil in. Sin came, death came, sickness, disease, war, prejudice, every bad thing that you can think of. James 1 verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. I think it's so interesting that where the Bible tells us not to be deceived, we are. We are more deceived where the Bible tells us not to be deceived than any other point. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God does not have blue Mondays. He doesn't have bad days or depressed days. He doesn't have good days where he's doing good and bad days where he's doing bad. Right? If it's good, it's perfect, it comes from God. And there is no variation. There's not even a shadow of turning. Nothing, nothing changes with God. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief, the devil, he does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The things that kill, that steal, and destroy are not the will of God. Those are the things that come from the devil. But Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Now, literally, this verse could be called the great divide. 
It shows what God does, shows what the devil does. Now, I want, I want to help you with your theology, so I'm going to have you say this. Say, good God, bad devil. Say it again. Good God, bad devil. Now, if you get that, you are farther along than 90% of theologians. God's good. The devil's bad. God's good all the time. And the devil's bad all the time. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil. This is your personal adversary. The devil. The devil is a real malevolent being. The, the devil is not the sum total of all evil and wickedness in the world. He is a fallen being, malevolent, who is the enemy of your soul. He walks about like a roaring lion. He's been down your street, knows your address, knows whether you cut your grass or not. And he's seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Now, if everything that happened was God's will, you wouldn't need to resist anything. You would embrace everything because this is God. This is God teaching me. This is God punishing me. This is God testing me. This is God. This is God. This is God doing something. But the Bible says you need to resist him steadfast in the faith. And by the way, the last time you resisted him is the last time he fled. Because he flees when you resist him. Why do you need to resist him? Because he brings things into your life that are not the will of God. It's just that simple. All right? uh, and, and I don't say this in mockery, but I want you to think about this. If everything that, that comes is, is God's will, then we may as well be Buddhists and just say, well, it's all karma. It's what's supposed to happen. This is, I'm paying, I'm, I'm punishing for things I've done. And so all these bad things come into my life. Right? Now, now you, you do realize that Christianity is based on grace. You do not get what you deserve. You, you get unmerited favor, unmerited blessing. Right? And the Bible teaches clearly we have an enemy. Now, the New International Version popularized the term sovereignty 288 times. Verses were translated sovereign Lord that in other translations had been translated Lord God or Lord God Almighty. Now, we can use the word sovereign when it comes to God if we use it properly, right? As a noun in your dictionary, it talks about a king or a queen or a noble person, one who serves as chief of state, a ruler, or a monarch, right? That's, that's good. As an adjective, it speaks of someone of paramount or supreme, right? We can agree with that. How many know God is paramount? He's supreme. Another definition is, is supreme rank or power, 
And God is definitely at the top. There is no one that he answers to. In another definition is simply self-governing, independent. You know, the United States, how many know we're a sovereign nation? We're not under someone else's rule. And sovereign came from the Latin word to mean super or above. And God is that for sure. But religion has come along and concocted its own definition of the word sovereign, meaning that God is in control of every single thing that happens, and nothing happens without it being the will of God. If that's true, why did Jesus come? The Bible says he came in 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. If everything was God's will, why did Jesus have to come and, and destroy Satan's work? Satan is the one who goes about seeking whom he may devour. He comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. God said, do not eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? But man did, and man let sin and death and sickness and disease come into the planet. God said, don't do it. That was God's will. Don't do it. Andrew Womack talks about his father died when he was 12 years old. He said, the pastor came and sat down with him and said, Andy, I quote, God needed your dad in heaven more than you needed him. Andy said, even at 12 years old, I knew better than that. We try to sometimes tell a story, try to, to put everything off in some mysterious way and, and blame God for everything that happens, and it's not right. 2 Samuel 14, 14, for surely we will die and become like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away life, but devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. The Bible, God said this, he said, he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I think it's interesting that Jesus tells a story about a lost coin. And he said, when the woman lost that coin, she dropped everything and went until she, and cleaned and looked until she found the coin. He said, that's what the kingdom of God's like. When God loses you, he does everything to find you. Jesus tells a story about the lost sheep. And he said the, the shepherd lost one of the hundred, and he left the 99, and he went to look for the sheep that he had lost. Now, by the way, as a, as a missionary, I had a friend who was preaching on the, on the, the sheep, the hundred sheep. And, by, and uh, he said, and the Lord had a hundred sheep, but instead of saying sheep, oveja, he said vieja, which is old lady. So he said, the Lord had a hundred old ladies, and he lost one. So he left the 99 old ladies at home and searched for the old lady he lost. He found her and threw her over his shoulder and brought her home and rejoiced. But the point of the story is that God is concerned for the one that's lost, the one that's away, 
Jesus also tells a story about the lost son. We call him the prodigal son. He goes out and takes his father's goods and wastes them on riotous living, ends up in a far country, a famine. The Bible says he's feeding the pigs. And, and if you know much about Jewish custom, you know that's about as far down as a, a Jewish boy can go to be with the pigs. And he said, even the hired servants in my father's house, they have it better than I do. And this is what I'll do. I will arise and I will go to my father and I'll say, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose. And the Bible says when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he got up and he ran. And he met him. And he threw his arms around him. And the boy tried to say something. And this is what his dad said. He said, kill the fatted calf, bring a coat, bring new shoes, put a ring on his finger, because this my son was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, and now he's found. That's God's attitude. Uh, it, it's amazing to me how sometimes those of us in the church seem to be mad at people that are away from God. God's not mad. God's not holding their sins against them. It's amazing how we sometimes presume things about God. And, and we even presume to do things God tells us not to do and then wonder why we're in a mess. In Numbers 14, after the children of Israel had rebelled against God, and God said, I want you to go back into the desert and I'll bring the next generation into the promised land. He says, you don't have faith to go in, so I'll bring the next generation in. And they said, no, 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 we'll, we'll obey God now. Now we'll go ahead and do it. And the Bible says they presumed to go up. They presumed to go up to the mountaintop. It's amazing how often we presume to do stuff when God has told us not to do something, and we presume to do it. And we think it's faith, but it's not faith. It's presumption. Right? We think it's God, but it's not God. Right? They presumed to go up. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp, and the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains came down and attacked them and drove them back. And they thought God let them down. They were blaming God for something, but it wasn't God. God had said, don't do it. Right? You know, it's amazing how many lies we believe about God. When Adam and Eve sin, God shows up, and they're hiding, and God's looking. And God says, where are you? And Adam. And he said, well, I'm hiding and I'm afraid because I'm naked. Now, the day before, they would walk with God. They would fellowship with God. But now they're afraid of God. And they're hiding from God. And God said, who told you? Who told you? And, and I want to ask you today, who told you? That you were dumb. Who told you that you'd gone so far you could never get right with God? Who told you that God's mad at you? Who told you God's keeping track of everything that you've done wrong? You know, when the angels showed up and just announced Jesus' birth, they said, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. You know, that's God's, that's God's will right there. Peace on earth 
And his attitude is good will towards men. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting or holding men's sins against them, but blotting them out. The devil says, you went too far, you did too much. God's not going to bless you because of what you've done. God's not going to use you. God's not going to answer your prayers. But the Bible says God's not counting your sins against you. He blotted them out. That's why Jesus came. So you and I could live in the favor of God. Who told you there's no forgiveness for you? Who told you God won't heal you? He won't bless you. He won't deliver you. You know, the devil's goal is to separate you from God. And it happens when we believe a lie. Well, you have no idea how wrong thinking can keep you from the blessings of God, from the will of God, from the breakthrough. In Isaiah 55, the Bible says to call upon the Lord while he's near. It says, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. His thoughts. Your thoughts about God can keep you so far away from God. In fact, he goes on and, and, and he says, because my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, if the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, you say, well, I might just have a little bit of a bad idea about God. Do you realize how far that can put you from God? As the heavens are higher than the earth. Listen, if we get in a spaceship and we travel at the speed of light four times around the globe, roughly every second, 93,000 miles per second, and we get in that spaceship and we take off and we go for 300 billion years, we aren't even at the edge yet of what's out there. You see, you can have a wrong thought and you might think, well, does it really make a difference? No, you can be missing God by a hundred billion light years. Missing God's peace, missing his blessing, missing deliverance, missing the communion that God wants to have with you. Who told you you were worthless? You weren't loved, you weren't valuable. Who told you you had no purpose? Who told you you could never get free? Who told you God is punishing you because he's not holding your sins against you? Who said God is not concerned? He's concerned about the most minute details of your life. Who told you you messed up so bad you could never, never fulfill your purpose and your destiny? It wasn't God. It's the devil that told you those things. Now, he may have used people. He may have used society, but it's not God. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 1. Verse 8, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus, God loved you so much that he sent Jesus from heaven to come and put on a suit of humanity 
to go to a cross to suffer and die and pay for your sin. He values you. He loves you. And he is interested in every detail of your life. Now, when you go to the store and you purchase something, right, there is an exchange that takes place. If you're buying something and they say this thing is worth $300, if you pay $300, it's because you believe it's worth that, right? That's why you do it. Well, well, God looked at you and said, you are worth the life, the suffering, the dying of my only begotten beloved son. He values you. He loves you. He's concerned about you. And it's the enemy that will tell you anything else. Who told you? That's why, that's why we need to go to the world. Literally, when you become, when, when you're a Christian, this is where you, you cannot get right with God and understand who he is, what he has done for you, how he loves you, any place except the Bible. That's why when you become a Christian, the Bible says, when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And you need God to introduce you to yourself because all that he does for you and all that he has for you is more than you and I, the Bible says, can even imagine. Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Listen, there's a lot of bad things that happen. But if we will believe God, God will turn everything around and somehow use it for good. He'll use it. I mean, God's not the source, but he'll use it for good. God didn't, is not the one that threw Daniel in the lion's den. But how many of you know he used it for good? God's not the one who set up an image and said to everybody, worship that image. It was King Nebuchadnezzar being motivated by the devil who did that. And he took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them in a fiery furnace. And his plan was to make them crispy critters. But God showed up. And the king looked and said, didn't we throw three in? I see four walking in that fire. And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. And he was right. He was right. God takes the messes, and he's able to take a mess, and he can weave it together. And yes, he can use it in our lives, but that does not mean that God is the author of those things. Right? But he can use whatever comes our way. The Bible says this, John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came with two things, grace and truth. We need both, but the order is significant. It's grace first, and it's truth after grace. We need grace to be ready for truth. <laughs> Without truth, grace feels harsh. 
excuse me, without grace, truth feels harsh and unloving. Grace helps us digest and metabolize truth. It's easy to receive when you know that someone loves you and cares for you and has your best interest at heart. That's why Jesus came with grace first. First, he came with grace, and then he came and he spoke truth. We need both. We need both. But God wants us to be able to receive the truth. So he came first with grace, unmerited favor. Jesus came and died for us first to show that God loves us, to redeem us, and to buy us back from that position that we had fallen to. Now, if you're watching, but you don't know where you stand with God, or you're away from God, and you say, I want to get right, I want to be forgiven, I want to live my life for God, I want to be a part of that kingdom of God, I want you to just bow your head, pray this prayer out loud, just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart, all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that I'm your child today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer, and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually, full of bullet points to show you your next steps. I want to send it to you free of charge. You can download that book, or you can contact us, and we'll send it to you absolutely free. This is going to help you as you continue to grow in Christ. God bless you, and have a great day. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you or download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking by Faith. Or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. There are so many ways to give during the holiday season. But if Walking by Faith has been a blessing to you, I'd love to give you a special opportunity to give back and help us as we change lives with the truth of God's Word all around the world. Please take a moment to give us a call or go online to make a year-end gift. 100% of your gift will be used to change lives all around the world. Thank you and God bless. If you need someone to pray with or God is just doing amazing things in your life, we would love to hear about it. You can contact us by phone, email, or through our app. Also, find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF-TV. We'll see you back here next time with another great message. Until then, be blessed.